So we're in week two on a series focused on the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked closely at the promise from Jesus on how, and how phenomenal this promise is. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him for He dwells within you and will be with you. I mean, this is, this is a radical change in the scope of human history. In the history of man in relation to God, the Spirit of God would only come upon a person and just for a limited time. Never before was the Spirit's presence a forever presence. And never before was the Spirit's presence within. I mean, the Bible says of Samson, you remember big old strong Samson? Judges 14, 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears the young goat, but he did not tell his mother, father or mother for what he had done. The incredible strength of Samson came from the Spirit. People mistakenly think that his strength was on account of his hair because uh, after his hair was cut, he lost his strength. But the, his hair was just the symbol of his strength. Judges 16.20 says this, after his hair was cut. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep. I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. King Saul, first king of uh, Israel, uh, when the Spirit came upon him. 1 Samuel 10.10 10 says, when, the, when they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. He, was, he had the ability to supernaturally prophesy once the Spirit came upon him. But in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, Saul has disrespected God, and it says this in 16, 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. King David watched this happen, and that's why he praised these words after his great sin. In Psalm 51, 11, King David prays, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. See, because they, they all knew from the history and from personal experience that when the Spirit of God came upon a person, that that, that, that person for a time could do and was enabled to do extraordinary things. The presence of the Spirit meant power, but it was not permanent and it could be taken away. But, but God knew that if man was ever to be restored to, to his original design and intention, that, that sin would need to be dealt with and that, that, that we would need someone to transform us from within. And so the prophet Ezekiel speaks of the promise that Jesus was about to bring about. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, he says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. As this promise was fulfilled, the language of the New Testament changed uh, to make known that now that because of Jesus, the spirit now dwells inside a person. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the God's Spirit dwells in you? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ 
and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, when you become a child of God, uh, John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you believe in Jesus as God's son, his death on the cross for your sin, and his resurrection from the dead, and you receive him as Lord, means you give him your life, it's at this point that you become a child of God. And at that point, God sends his Holy Spirit into your heart. And that's pretty fantastic, wouldn't you say? When you think about it, if you're a child of God, if you've believed and you have received, then that means that right now the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, all right, if that's you, I, I want to lead you in a special Holy Spirit prayer this morning. I mean, most, um, um, most of my prayers, I, I, I speak to God as Father. Sometimes when I pray, I, I call on Jesus when I pray. I mean, perhaps your prayers are similar. Right? It's rare that I address the Holy Spirit. So today, I'd like to lead you in a special prayer to the Holy Spirit, a prayer that will will draw us closer to the Spirit and increase our understanding of the Spirit's purpose in our hearts. So, so bow your head and fold your hands like this. Right? Now, normally when I bow my head and pray to the Father, it's out of um, humility, reverence, and respect. But if the Holy Spirit's in my heart, well, then this can be kind of like directional. Like He's right there, and so I'm going to talk right there into my heart. So that's, that's what I want you to do, all right? So... Heads bowed, hands folded, speak into your heart and say, Hey, Holy Spirit. Good, I like y'all. Uh, uh, glad you're in my heart. What are you doing in there? <laughs> Amen. I imagine most of us would agree that, that God sending a spirit to live in our hearts is, a, is pretty fantastic. But let's ask a deeper question. Why? I mean, this might be a question that none of us have really thought to ask. Why did God send his spirit into our hearts? Why does, God take, why, does God, why does God's spirit take residence in your heart? What is the purpose I mean, in short, it's to ask the question, hey, Spirit, what are you doing in there? Did, did God send His Spirit in our hearts, I mean, as a token? Like, here's something cool, have this in your heart. Uh, uh, something to make us feel special, like a necklace or some kind of jewelry? Um, is it because the Spirit needed a place to stay? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it for some random reason with, with no, no real meaning or purpose? Or is there a powerful reason why the Spirit of God would be sent to live in our hearts? And, and what does the Spirit do while He's in our hearts? Does He just kind of hang out? Set up a little hammock and swing? Like, what's He doing in there? Is, is there a purpose 
to accomplish, a work to be, got, to be done. Jesus says in John 14, it, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. What, is, what does Jesus mean by helper? How is the Spirit supposed to help? What's he meant to help with? He can help you shop for your groceries? To put away the laundry? Help you make friends? If the Holy Spirit is a helper, then what sort of help should we expect? See, seeking to answer these simple questions, I think that's going to help us understand the significance and the purpose and the relevance of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. So let's explore and understand why God would send His Spirit into our hearts. And, and just about with like everything that God does. I mean, God is all wise. It's not uncommon that when you seek the purposes that God is doing when He does stuff, that, that He's actually fulfilling more than one purpose because He is just incredibly wise and He, he can do that. He, he'll do more than one good with the work that he's doing. I mean, take the cross, for example. The Bible tells us that, that on the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin. That, but also on the cross, Jesus defeated the powers of evil. And that on the cross, Jesus destroyed the power of death. And on the cross, Jesus made peace between man and God. So it should be no surprise for us that when, when, when this God, in his great wisdom, does something, that there's more than one purpose and more than one good at work. This is certainly the case when it comes to the reasons why God sends His Spirit into our hearts. Now, one of the great reasons why God sent His Spirit into your heart is for the purpose of transformation. See, God wants the best for you. I mean, He loves you just the way that you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. God wants the very best for you. And because he loves you, God knows that there is, better, there is a better life for you than a life that's filled with addictions or anger issues or insecurity. The, the best for you does not involve unforgiveness. Fear is not what is best for you, nor is pride, nor is greed and selfishness. Selfishness promises you that you'll get more but selfishness takes the most from you and I. Jesus said that whoever would seek to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for his sake will find it. And while the best, and while the best of the best awaits God's children in heaven, God loves you too much to just simply let you and I take a tail kicking for an entire lifetime and then be set free in heaven. He loves us too much for that. I mean, look, no good parent is content to watch his child suffer. I mean, a good parent will always want to do something and our God is a good, good father. And he sent us his spirit into our hearts to transform us into a person that is remarkably better than who we are. Look, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So the Spirit comes into our hearts to transform us from within. And this transforming work 
it can only happen from within because human transformation doesn't happen any other way. I mean, think about this for a second. Let's say you've got an anger issue or an insecurity. God knows that there is better for you than a life of damaged relationships and high tension because most of the time you're raging on the inside and occasionally it comes out and spills out onto the outside and complicates life. God knows there's better for you than that. God knows there's a better life for you than one that constantly feels like people don't like you or don't want you or are out to get you. So how is an anger issue transformed? How is an insecurity transformed? Do, do you change that outside in? Um, do, you, do, do you use rules and regulations and threat of punishment to get rid of an anger issue? How is an anger issue in tr transformed? Look, the best that rules and threats of punishment offer is just temporary modifications in behavior. And they do nothing to change the core issue. But God gave us uh, His law so that we can have 2,000 years of evidence that laws outside a person are ineffective at transforming the person. Say, well, what about counseling? You could go to counseling to deal with anger issues and insecurity. Yeah? Maybe you could transform your anger issue and insecurities by talking to a trained professional and they can help you to see a different perspective. Not, I don't want to devalue that, but I do want to make a point here. My wife has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling. So she, she worked as a counselor prior to children occupying her space and time. You know, Now she pours all that education into these five people. Yeah. Um, uh, she tells me one of the problems that occurs in the counseling field, especially that of free counseling, is oftentimes that a person is not interested in changing, but they enjoy having someone to talk to, having someone listen to them. So they just keep coming back for more and more counseling, and they never change. By the way, the word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit in the book of John that is translated as uh, helper, it's uh, parakletos, or no, parakletos. Um, that word can also be translated as counselor or encourager. So, well, well, how about education? We just teach people. People seem to think that if we just educate people that then lasting change can occur. Y'all remember health class back in high school? I remember being taught the negative effects of alcohol and drugs at length. And yet, alcoholism, it's still tearing families apart. Drugs are still a significant problem in our society. By the way, John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you remembrance all that I have said, counseling, teaching, it's all in a better presence with Jesus. My point is, and this is, is that real change has to happen inside out. And God knows this better than any one of us. 
And so God sends His own Spirit into the hearts of His children to do the work of transformation. He wants you to, He wants to transform you into the image of His Son Jesus. I mean, He wants the patience of Jesus to be in you. Do you imagine that? Do you imagine the, the amount of stress that you would live without if you had the patience of Jesus? He wants you to have ample supply of patience. I seem to be like, I don't have a whole, I don't have a lot of it. I need more. Uh, the, he wants the addictive traits and insecurities that you have now to be transformed into the character and strength of Jesus. Jesus, who was never a victim. Even when he was taken to the cross, he was not a victim. He laid his life down on his own accord in obedience to his Father to save you and I. He wants our hearts to have the capacity to love, to give, to serve, to grow and be as big as the heart of Jesus. And for these things to become a reality, transformation must occur. And so His Spirit has been sent into your heart to help bring this about. Some of you are thinking, well, if this is true, then, then why do I see so little change in my own life? And what do you mean by help bring this about? I mean, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as helper four times in the book of John. Helper. John 16, 7, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, in order for spiritual transformation to occur, the Spirit has to do His part. And you have to do your part. And the family of God has to do their part. If you're wondering uh, why... Why do you notice so little transformation in your life? It's probably very likely because one of these three essentials is missing in your life. I mean, if the Spirit's not doing His part, I tell you, it's not because the Holy Spirit got tired or forgot His purpose. The most likely reason is because the Spirit has not yet been sent into your heart and you need to be saved. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. That may make some of you uncomfortable. But I think one of the worst things I could do is to stand up and let people who are not saved think that they're in good standing with God while they're in great peril. The reason you might not be seeing something if the Spirit's not doing His part is because you need to, in faith, entrust your life and soul over to Jesus. That can happen today. Without the Spirit of God in your heart, you've got no hope for meaningful and lasting change and no hope for forgiveness or heaven either. But if you're a saved child of God, then the Spirit stands ready to do His part as the Helper. Now He awaits you to do your part. The book of 2 Peter tells us that God has given us everything that we need to succeed in life and grow in godliness. And then in 
verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue, with knowledge and knowledge, with self-control and self-control, with steadfastness and steadfastness, with godliness and godliness, with brotherly affection and brotherly affection, with love. But because God's given you everything, make every effort. You know what we tend to do? We make excuses. Oh, I had this going on today. Oh, I had this happen last night. Oh, I had this this weekend. Oh, this is going on. And rather than making effort into doing our part, we just find an excuse that we think will satisfy other people. But the Spirit awaits you to do your part. He's the helper. We're told that God has given us, He's provided everything you need for an abundant and spiritually vibrant life here and now. God gave you His Son to save you, His Spirit to transform you, His Word to strengthen and guide you, and a forever family to support and encourage you on this journey and to journey with you. And now since God has already set you up for success, now do your part. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, in order for meaningful and lasting change to occur in your life, the Spirit has to do His part, you've got to do your part, and the family of God, the church, has to do their part. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens one another. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, in this broken world, we all need to be stirred up toward love and good deeds. I mean, is the world overabundant with love and good deeds by your assessment? Is the church overflowing with love and good deeds by your assessment? See, that's why we need to be stirred up towards it. Because our natural inclination is to seek comfort. But doing good, that usually comes at a price. How about encouragement? You ever heard of anybody dying from too much encouragement? How many of you could use some encouragement today? Yeah. Yeah. That's what God wants this family that he puts together to be about. Stirring one another up to Lord's love and good deeds. Encouraging one another. We've got to do our part. This is God's design for spiritual transformation. And church, we need to take seriously our part of stirring up one another toward love and good deeds, and encouraging one another. But when the Spirit of God, and the Word of God, and the people of God, when those things work together, that's when meaningful and lasting transformation takes place. I mean, you sit there and you say, well, I don't really like people. God says, the God who loves people says, yeah, I know. And I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. See, God knows the best for you. 
And the best will be to have a heart like Jesus. Finally, the Holy Spirit, the helper, is in your heart, not only to help you into transforming to be more like Jesus, but to help you, to empower you, to empower your life, to make an impact for Jesus in this world. I think one of the great reasons why so many never experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives is because their lives are all about themselves. Life's all about you. Your goals, your dreams, your conflicts, your comfort, your agenda, your schedule, your wants, your desires, it's all about you. And the Holy Spirit, the helper says, I was not sent into your heart to help you live for you. I was sent into your heart to help you live for God. So when your life is always about staying in your comfort zone, you never get to experience the Spirit of God working through you, speaking through you. You never feel the tension of the Spirit leading you into something that's big. And then you feel the release that comes when God shows up in a way you never expected. To step out and it's like, that just, God, that's scary. You never feel the satisfaction of being a part of someone else having their forever changed. Jesus told those very first disciples, he says in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, one of the most remarkable things about those first disciples was how unremarkable they all were. I mean, they were riffraff. They were a ragamuffin band of random people, it seems, with nothing in them that was of any kind of significant merit. They, they were all incredibly ordinary. They were scared. They were flighty. They were selfish. They were sometimes just plain dumb. They were nervous, often confused, Hesitant, impulsive, temperamental, easily offended, and just simply unimpressive. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, as Jesus promised, the Spirit transformed these men into powerful voices of truth. And within a decade, they were described as men who had turned the whole world upside down. You let the Holy Spirit work in you, you do your part, let the helper do his part, let the, let the body of Christ, the church, encourage you to continue doing your part, you know what will happen? God will raise up people in here that can turn Dallas-Fort Worth upside down. You think God doesn't want to? You let the Holy Spirit do his work in you, you do your part, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will lead you into a life that's not boring. Man, I haven't been bored in decades. In his book, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit, R.C. Sproul writes this. He says, the Holy Spirit leaves no footprints in the sand. Jesus did leave footprints in the sand. I mean, he was God incarnate. God with a human nature. 
When his disciples walked with him, they could hear his voice, touch his hands, and watch the sand spilling over his feet as he trod the shores of the Sea of Galilee. But the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. We cannot capture the wind in a bottle. It's elusive and mysterious, but nonetheless real. We see the effects of the wind. Trees bending and swaying in the breeze, flags rustling. We see the devastation of a fierce hurricane. We see the ocean become violent in a gale. We are refreshed by the gentle zephyrs on a summer day. We know the wind is there. So it is with the Holy Spirit. He's intangible and invisible, but His work is more powerful than the most ferocious wind. The Spirit brings order out of chaos and beauty out of ugliness, he could transform a sin-blistered man into a paragon of virtue. The Spirit changes people. The author of life is also the transformer of life. I could tell you, personal experience, I'm an introvert of introverts. All their characteristics, I got them. I understand that. Now, when I was a young man, I was an introvert with insecurities. That combination made me the kind of person that was just scared and docile. Um, I'd walk the halls of my high school and I wouldn't say a word to anybody. I met Jesus my senior year in high school, so if I'm going to talk about life before that, I've got to go into my school days. But then, I gave my life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit came into my heart. The counselor, the teacher... The helper worked at me to understand, you know what? So what if these people don't like you? The God of the universe does. And it, and it, it gave me permission and release to be what I wanted to be. Changed in me. It was so phenomenal. My family was like, what happened? And I can only tell you that it was the Spirit that brought about that change in me. I had an incredible anger issue. I'm a much better person than I was before. How many of you, with just a raised hand of testimony, would say, you know what? Since the Spirit came into my heart, since my life was given to Jesus, I could look back and say, I am a better person than I was. That's the work of of the Holy Spirit. It's what He does. He transforms us from the inside out because outside in doesn't last. Temporary. What about you today? What's God speaking to you today? Is He speaking to you because you've not in faith yet given your life to Jesus? And that good, good Father wants to send you the greatest gift He can into your heart today. Stop playing religion. Believe. Receive. Become a child of God today. Maybe God is speaking to you about He's still got more work to do. I mean, I can tell you, the anger issue I had is not the way it is today. But that doesn't mean I still got room to grow. 
Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that tells me about me? Is that until he calls me to my forever home, there's going to be room to work on. And I'm going to have... I, I mean, I've been walking with Jesus over 20 years now. I still got room to grow. Love, patience, good deeds, and anger. It can swallow me up sometimes, but not like it used to. Not like it used to. What about you? Maybe God speaking to you says, you know what? You need to put a little more effort into doing your part. Spirit's in your heart, and you're not giving him anything to work with. You need to, you need to do what David says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And begin to know and study and read and memorize God's word and give the Spirit something to work with. Maybe your point of commitment today needs to be, you know what? I need to take seriously my part to be the encourager, to stir others up toward love and good deeds and make myself available for the same. What's God speaking to you today? He's given us this wonderful person of His Spirit in our hearts. Not, let's not let that be wasted. Father God, I pray now in this, these moments that Your Spirit who does the work of transformation would have open access to every part of our lives right now. God, you can give someone courage today. Courage to step up and make themselves available to you. Courage to finally pray and believe and receive your son Jesus and become a child of God. God, some of us here, we've been so consumed with our own lives, our own agendas, our own goals, our own schedule. But your helper didn't come so that we could just be better at living for ourselves. Your spirit came so that we might live for, your, for you, God. Forgive us for those selfish moments. Awaken us. Make us aware of them right now. And that as we move from this place today, we would walk more in step with how your Spirit leads. You can use us to turn this world upside down in the name of Jesus. Father, you are so good and so wise. And I know that personally, I would not be anything of who I am today without the presence of your Spirit in my heart. Thank you for that. So Father, now in these moments, meet with us. Draw us closer to you. Thank you that you love us just the way that you are. No one needs to feel guilt. But you love each and every one of us too much to leave us that way. Father, have your way. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.